Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strikes Our Fancy, where we talk about exactly that, whatever we feel like. This week, that's going to be Star Wars-focused. We have a couple uh, topics that we're going to bring up along those lines. First off, though, I'm Craig, one of your hosts. Here you'll be uh, listening to me spout my completely uneducated opinion. Along with me, I have... Hi, I'm Rob. My opinion is even more unfounded and uneducated than Craig's. (laughs) And I'm Caleb, and my opinion is actually worth something. (laughs) To be determined. We shall see. (laughs) You can prove that. In the Star Wars vein, we're going to be talking a little bit. I I kind of have a, I think I'll come out with a strong premise. I genuinely believe that the Star Wars expanded universe, the books, the TV shows, the video games, the stories told in that content is better than the original trilogies, the trilogy of trilogies. Boy, that's a, that is a take so hot. We could light our death sticks on it. (laughs) (laughs) What is a death stick? It's a cigarette. Is is it just a cigarette? Do they ever expand on that? I I don't think it's ever said exactly what it is, but I mean, come on. I I guess I always assumed it was something harder, but I don't, I don't know. That's what, because I think the only hard reference we get to that is that one bombed out guy in episode two in the bar when they're chasing through Coruscant. They actually say death sticks in the show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a guy in the bar that's like, want any death sticks? And I think it's Obi-Wan goes, you do not want to sell us death sticks. And he does the force wave. You want to go home to your mother. And he's like, I want to go home to my mother. And then he leaves the bar. Weird. So I, from, for me, that always referenced him as like a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. So it was pre-Disney. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is from episodes one to three. Okay. So this is still Lucasfilm at that time. But I mean, just imagine if, uh, you know, someone came up to you today. It was like, you want to buy some cigarettes? You'd say, no, you don't want to sell me cigarettes. <laughs> Unless you were a smoker. And even then, you'd probably, no, I'm going to get my cigarettes at the gas station like a normal person. A reputable source. Yeah, well, and again, I think that's why I thought it was drugs, kind of that underhand nature of that conversation, yeah. that tone. I mean, it could, yeah. who knows? Because I think just like in Dune, they reference spice as a drug. I think spice is also kind of like a catch-all in Star Wars for all drugs. So I, I think there is a delineation there. Mm-hmm. We're way off topic. <laughs> well, <laughs> Drug use in the Star Wars universe. What shit can you get high off of from this galactic cornucopia of, of elements? I, I think I, I'm definitely biased in my opinion that the, the side stories are better because, you know, I watched the original trilogies when I was, when I was young. You know, had Luke Skywalker, I think around like age nine. And I watched all three movies. Mm-hmm. But after that, all of my exposure to Star Wars was video game based. I think my next big hit was Knights of the Old Republic which has an amazing story that I want to dive into. But I'm kind, of, I'm kind of curious what your guys' your history with Star Wars, what does that look like? Well, Craig, I never played uh, any of the games except until Star Wars Podracer came out. It was the first Star Wars <laughs> video game I ever played. Uh, and then the next one was Rogue Squadron. Oh, and oh, that was it. Classic. Like, I never played... Uh, I never played Knights of the Old Republic or I mean, not even the Lego games. So for me... For a long time, Star Wars was three movies. I knew there were books because you'd see them at the library, but I didn't want to be the guy that was, you know, checking out a Star Wars book. I wanted to read real fiction. That was a step too far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, I had Pod Racer and Rogue Squadron as well. I forgot about those. Those were good games for the 64. They were. Uh, Pod Racer's actually been re released for uh, Switch. Oh, nice. Dear Sweet Jesus. Not not necessarily a very plot-heavy game, but still really no. fun. Still better than the first episode, though, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. That was, like, the <laughs> only thing that anyone cared about the Star Wars revival for at the time. <laughs> but yeah, Caleb, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what's kind of your history with Star Wars? You know, I've always, I'm a big film person, and I was introduced to Star Wars in 2014. Wow. <laughs> I had never watched anything. I've never played any of the video games. 
I'm not going to say they were hard to find, but I really just had no interest until a friend forced me to sit down and watch them. And this was even before like the uh, the sequels were announced and stuff. Mm-hmm. God, that's crazy. By sequels, do you mean 789? Yeah, 789. I had never watched anything until like 2014-ish, and I uh, ended up binge-watching the whole series, or six movies. So I haven't seen any of the cartoons, but I have read a lot of the, the comics. Nice. And my position kind of will be this this podcast that Marvel Comics currently has the rights to Star Wars and what they're doing with those rights is phenomenal. The comic books are way better than the sequel movies so far. Are they in a separate universe? The comics that Marvel own, did they split? They're writing their own universe just in that established universe? No, uh, I suppose it's kind of like how the cartoons, the Clone Wars and Rebels are set after certain movies and in between certain movies. Yeah, The comic books are set similarly like their main one takes place after a new hope okay um but specifically they have a 25 issue darth vader series which is just pure goodness darth vader i have seen snippets i've seen panels from those and just the i think they really drive home the ruthlessness of darth vader yeah they really do i'm gonna have to borrow those from you because that sounds awesome i have them on kindle (laughs) unfortunately Okay, well, just give me your password. All the books just are out of print. Say your password here. We'll oh, record it for, for the sure. podcast. Share it with the world. <laughs> I will definitely do that with you, Rob. So I, I want to loop back a little bit because I think you have a really unique perspective of Star Wars that you watched. Your virgin experience was as an adult. What was the initial takeaway? That they were mediocre films, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> um, I think a lot of the nostalgia for Star Wars comes from the fact that you watch them when you're a child. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. My first time seeing Star Wars was flipping through the channels, and literally, I was flipping through channels, and bam, Death Star Trench Run. Uh, I was, I don't know, maybe eight, nine years old, and I was in. <laughs> right. That, that I, can, I can't even imagine, like, that's your first taste and you're like oh like yeah. what is going on what is all this action where are they that that sounds like a lot of fun you don't even need to know what's going yeah. on it was, it was a great scene awesome it was i i knew at that moment this was amazing is that still something that you think or is it all nostalgia based um i mean i can see that there's a lot of nostalgia there but i still think i mean obviously if you if you look at it in the context of a movie in 1977 that scene is incredible just what they accomplished there the energy that it has and even watching it today it feels like you're watching a recording of people in an actual x-wing flying through the trench on the death star the rest of the movie uh i mean don't get me wrong it's it's still great i love watching it but uh you know i guess depending on which edit you're watching uh some are better than others george lucas would just not let it go is that a is that a road we want to go down? Absolutely right now? not. <laughs> we'll we'll have a whole episode later on who shot first. I think it's interesting that for you that iconic moment was the Death Star trench run and like that stuck with you all these years. Because for me, yeah, I enjoyed the movies that that first time through. But for me, that feeling of nostalgia comes from Rogue Squadron on the sixty four and and being in the Death Star trench run and like having agency to play in that. The universe was established and it was really cool and it was really fun. But like. For me, it was so much more powerful to, to have your hands on the wheel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose it would be. Uh, for, for me, that was just another part of Star Wars. Yeah. Because I, I was already familiar with it by the time that game came out. I already knew what it was. I'd watched all the movies on VHS. What's a VHS? Rolled. <laughs> analog, baby. There's a lot to unpack 
I think by my claim that none of the, the main trilogies compare to the, to the side content. But I think what, what might be a good starting point is talking about some of those arcs. Anakin's arc, Luke's arc, Rey's arc. Do we have to talk about Rey's arc? Because I think everyone in the world agrees it's pretty much garbage. Well, I think there's something to be said. It's, it's cool that it's an empowering story. Literally comes from nothing, and she f- fulfilling her destiny and, and becoming a powerful force in the universe. That is, that is still a meaningful She story. doesn't come from nothing. She comes from Palpatine. Well, okay, yeah. They shoehorn that in I, so hard. I guess I was thinking about the arc chronologically. Yeah, and I mean, coming from nothing, okay, Luke came from nothing. Yeah. Well, he came from Anakin, but Anakin came from nothing. Well, he came from midichlorians. But, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not a new thing in Star Wars, you know? The point that I was, gonna, I was trying to make originally was, do you guys think that in each trilogy, it's just the same story, just with different, different backdrop? Uh, no. No? No. Like, that, that the, hero, the hero's journey isn't ridiculously similar? I don't agree with that. I, I mean, there are similar elements, and that term you use, the hero's journey, that kind of tells you why they're similar because a hero's journey is always similar mm. at least an right. interesting one is to a degree but th- but there are like there are touchstone moments in each arc that i think are too similar across the three characters that make that make all of them a little bland so wait are you saying to me is it's your considered opinion that jar jar binks is an analog to han solo <laughs> <laughs> uh i think I think Jar Jar is a closer analog to C-3PO from the original trilogy. Hmm. You've got kind of this obnoxious character that doesn't really do much. Yeah. Kind of, uh, he's a bumbling fool that sometimes accomplishes something. Interesting. That's Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Han, I mean, Han's the suave smuggler. Like, he's got, That's he's Jar got Jar. other attributes. The only thing that separates them is that Han Solo is actually hot. <laughs> They're basically the same character. I have ne- I have never given that any consideration that that Han Solo and Jar Jar are like the most comparable characters between those two <laughs> trilogies. Uh, to be honest, I haven't either. <laughs> so so both of you, Robin Caleb, are claiming that you th- you think that the main trilogies, the the hero's arc is is unique enough for it to be discernible. I think they're similar enough. Um, okay. Well, Anakin's in the in the first trilogy. I don't think gets en- gets enough play. There's all that politic stuff that's happening that I personally zone out on. The turning point for Ray and Luke are very similar in and of themselves. Luke finds the turning point in episode two, or I suppose episode five, uh, for Luke is when he finds out, spoiler alert, Darth Vader is his father. The turning point for Ray is supposed to be in episode eight when she finds out she comes from nothing. And her turning point is basically rendered moot in the third movie. So I don't... They just... There's not enough cohesion in the sequel trilogies for me to really make that sense. The seven through nine episodes, weren't they written by different writers? There was a planned arc, but then it got nixed at the end. Well, J.J. Abrams did the first, just did episode seven. And I'm not sure if there was a planned arc, but he definitely set up a lot of, he he buried a lot of seeds for where it could go. Mm. And then Ryan Johnson jumped on board and he just did not follow up on any of it and created his own movie. Weird. And so when J.J. Abrams came back for episode nine, he picked up on those seeds from episode seven and just shoehorned all of that stuff into episode nine. In my opinion, like this is what I see happens because The Last Jedi is basically there's no consequences that are followed up on in episode nine. 
he goes from episode seven to episode nine for me. The cohesion between those three movies is just not there because J.J. Right. Abrams decided to give up the reins right away. And as soon as Disney saw that The Last Jedi got all that flack, they hired him back and he's trying to do some damage control. Okay. I mean, I kind of see that the whole way through that episode seven didn't do that well. And it seems like they tried to change a lot of things up for eight. Mm. That bombed. And they kind of went in yet another direction. I mean, maybe maybe it was going back to the same direction. I don't I don't know for sure, but it just yeah, it definitely seemed like the whole series was very reactionary, trying to mm-hmm. chase trying to chase the money that Disney wanted. You know, for better or worse, at least the prequel trilogy it followed its heart. Yeah, and half that heart was trade negotiations and Senate meetings. <laughs> You know, the real the real bones of any good fiction story. Yeah. Isn't that basically Dune? Come on. Uh, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. All right. Uh, you know what? I, I will give you that a little bit. Yes. <laughs> but at least how oh, I, I was going to say, like, at least there's like this lethal intrigue. But I guess there is some of that in <laughs> in Star Wars. Actually, you know, watching um, at least episode three years later you know, as an adult, I liked it a lot more than mm. I did on my first viewing. I actually thought it was really good. I liked 2 and 3 more because of the Clone Wars. We were more actively seeing a Star War mm. versus... A Star Battle? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we saw how is this playing out across the entire galaxy? How is this war unfolding? And I did find that really interesting, even when I was younger. Like, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, this is happening on an epic grand scale versus... In the original trilogy, it was, yeah, we'd get maybe a battle each movie, and it was a pivotal, critical battle, and it was exciting, and, you know, adventure, and all, fun was had, but that was all we saw, was that little snippet of the war. I mean, history is written by pivotal battles very frequently. That's true. But I would also argue that the original trilogy is very myopic. It focuses very much on the three, Luke, Khan, and Leia, Mm. and they don't veer too far from each other more more, more often than not. Yeah, anytime you see something that's not one of those three, it's setting up what's happening to them or explaining what happened to them. Mm. And in the prequel trilogy, you do see a lot more of the universe without the big, I'm not sure if there's three main players in that, but like you see a lot more going on besides what's going on with your main people. Mm -hmm. I think in episode one, the three main players are probably Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon and Padme. And I wonder if that's why the prequel trilogy didn't do so well is because you didn't have kind of a a singular focus it was kind of all over the place and maybe maybe written more the way you would write a book rather than a two-hour movie right because you had that big time jump between episodes one and two as anakin was training we didn't see any of that it just happened which honestly wouldn't have been that interesting for a movie anyway yeah well you could do like a kind of a harry potter adventures at school kind of thing that's a route they could have gone I wanted to dive a little bit into some of the content outside of the, of the main trilogies, uh, because that's, that's like, I genuinely love that. I think some of those stories are more interesting. And where I I really wanted to start was Knights of the Old Republic. And I don't know, Rob, have you, have you ever played KOTOR? I have not. Okay. So this was, I think it was released in like 2009. It's a prequel that takes place thousands of years before the original movies. And so Mm -hmm. pretty much a completely new galaxy that, that they had to play with. And the premise of the story, it was an, an RPG 
made by Bioware. So it was one of their early ones where you could, where you're playing an action adventure game, but you get to choose your own adventure. Essentially you have interactions with NPCs and you can choose how you interact and, and how the story unfolds. And what was, this is a massive spoiler. This is like spoiling the entire game. There is a character named Revan who for the entire game is portrayed as the villain. This is the, the big bad in the background who's manipulating, pulling all the strings. He was incredibly powerful Sith. He was doing all these things and he was trying to conquer the galaxy. And at the end of the game, it is revealed that you have been Revan the whole time. That the Jedi did some stuff, they wiped your brain, and they wanted to give you a second chance. And so how you played the game, the choices that you made along the way basically where how does Revan live his second life and the way that game culminates is you either pick up the mantles where the old Revan left off and go to go off to conquer the galaxy or you change your ways and you decide to destroy the big powerful weapon and, and save the galaxy okay that's rad what did you choose that was an incredibly powerful game and it was so fun to play what did you choose uh, I oh, conquer the galaxy every time, <laughs> but you know, the galaxy's a mess and I just need to rule it. <laughs> I think it's a deep cut reference right there. On the opposite end of that spectrum, there is a comic that shows Han Solo crash landing in the Millennium Falcon on earth. And he's found by Indiana Jones. The spaceship is found by Indiana Jones. And apparently Chewbacca is so alive and he is Bigfoot. Like that's their in the comic, that is their canon explanation for Bigfoot. What happened to a galaxy far, far away? I have no idea. This was a Marvel comic from years ago. A wizard did it. So on a smaller scale, it's still weird. That's a fun take. Like, it's an interesting yeah. way to play that. But yeah, I thought, I thought Earth wasn't in the Star Wars galaxy. No, it's definitely not. Comics, baby. You can do whatever you want. It's just a solo story. <laughs> I, I wanted to loop back because for me, that playing Knights of the Old Republic having that agency, being able to make that choice, so powerful, like such a cool experience to go through and, and be a character in the universe, but not only just a random character, like it turns out you were the big bad the whole time, like you have meaning in that galaxy. I do think the story that is told throughout that game is better than, than the stories that are told throughout some of the movies, but I do also think it hits harder because it's a video game and you're in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. And Revan is still referenced. Like, it was such a fan favorite. Like, Revan lived on past that game. And I think he's got some books. And he might have been referenced in one of the movies. I'll have to double check that. What is the canon ending, then? Him taking over the galaxy or him reforming? Canon ending, at least at the time. I don't, I don't know what is and isn't, like I've mentioned before. The official canon for that story was Revan regains his memories, retakes control of, it's called the Galactic Forge. It literally consumes stars to create armies and weapons and stuff. It makes autonomous armies. He retakes the forge. He starts rebuilding his army to fight the true Sith, the race, not the Jedi, not the bad Jedi, the actual race of Sith. He starts working towards that, and then he disappears again, and he leaves because he knows there's a bigger threat. He leaves because he's going to go deal with stuff outside of the galaxy. Um, and then he's only just ever kind of referenced as a, kind of a shadowy figure that might pop up here and there again. So as a bad guy, he was fighting the Sith. The Sith race, yes. Right, but I mean, weren't they still kind of bad guys? The, uh, I mean, they just, they wanted to rule the, the, the galaxy because they're better than everyone else because they're racist. But again, like, such bigger scale plots, I feel like, than, and, and I shouldn't, maybe I am belittling the original trilogies because, I mean, in, in, the, in the original trilogies, we have consistently bigger and bigger super weapons that are destroying shit. But I don't know, there just seems to be this sense of scale that's told in, these other, in this other media than the movies. That the movies just can't seem to encapsulate, is kind of how I feel. 
I don't know about scale, but I think part of that is coming down to character. Yeah. I am not as... I, I like the Star Wars movies for what they are, but the characters are pretty blah for me. Every single one of them. Curious, Caleb, do you think they fit the like just the adventurer hero trope too much? I don't think they're given enough depth. Yeah. yeah. I just don't think they're given enough to... They're, they all have very clear arcs. I think Han has the clearest arc, especially in the first movie, yeah. about overcoming his his uh, scoundrelness <laughs> to be a hero at the end. I mean, does um, he, though? Because he he's a scoundrel. He doesn't want to do anything. And then just out of the blue, he comes out and, oh, no, I'm here. I'll, I'll help. I think that was the whole point, that he, he, he was given the option to leave, and then he changed his mind well, without any regard. He doesn't know he's getting a medal at well, the well, end. Right, right. but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, There's no... There's really no build up to that. He just and we don't we don't see that conflict within. Yeah, it happened. It happened off screen. Yeah, the the change of heart happened when where we didn't see it. Yeah. So again, I think that's their characters just aren't as interesting. Even I think Kylo, as a character, was interesting in the second movie, The Last Jedi. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think that's I think that's the better movie of the sequels. Just because he had so much internal conflict? I think there's a lot of internal conflict, and there's a lot of conflict in that movie. And he does decide to turn bad at the end, mm-hmm. uh, which is completely overwiped in the third movie. But, no, I'd, I'd love to see that character conflict, even within themselves, you know. Even Ray is having it a little bit about what to do. But that's still not as interesting <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, and I, I'm, I'm curious, rating Darth Vader revealing he's Luke's father that moment in cloud city versus kylo ren killing han do those two moments have the same emotional impact do you think did they on you i think that no okay honestly because there was a two movie build-up to that moment to where darth vader reveals that he's luke's father if you have no attachment to the original star wars trilogy that han solo character in the force awakens is not very you need to have a prior mis- a prior conception of him. That's fair. The character in The Force Awakens is very... His character progression in that movie is very minute. Yep. Right. If at all. Yeah. For it to be an impactful moment, you had to have known who Han was. Exactly. Like he does very much rely on. But on the other hand, I was always disappointed with the Darth Vader reveal because there's absolutely... Again, there's no lead up to it. It's just, I am your father. That, mm. I, I wanted to mention that as well. That there was no, there's no foreshadowing at all. No, right, and, and I mean, the, the there aren't even that many mentions of Anakin. There's at the beginning of A New Hope, and then we kind of forget about Luke's father. It's just there's, not an important detail. There's Obi Wan handing Luke the child killer nine thousand. Right, <laughs> <laughs> but along with that, I think the surprise factor plays a big part in that, in the Darth Vader mm. reveal. Kylo killing Han, I don't think, was a surprise. I think it didn't surprise me. Okay. Whenever he's given that choice, will you help me or whatever he says. And I think Harrison Ford was willing to do almost anything to get out of that franchise. No doubt. <laughs> he still came back. <laughs> well, no, he came back to be to be done. He's like, all right, I'll come. Yeah. I, I can't do a good Harrison Ford impression. All right, I'll come back, but this is the last one. You better kill me off. That is the perfect Harrison Ford. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but no, he shows up in Rise of Skywalker as a force ghost. But on that point, I think Rogue One elicited a lot of more emotions out of me than any of the main nine movies. 
Hmm, I, and I, again, I don't know if it's because maybe the older movies feel feel older and they don't hit as hard as they used to. But yeah, Rogue One felt like it had stakes, even though we all knew how it was going to end. Rogue One was an amazing. I mean, the the start was a little bit slow, but yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a great story, and and I it's a lot of fun. I remember watching it, and I remember thinking, I don't remember any of these characters' names, but I freaking care about them. <laughs> um, the scene where the big guy just walks into the fire and walks into the all those bullets firing because his friend just died hits me. There's a lot less character progression, but like we know what's at stake, and I think that matters here. Right. I don't know. And in my opinion, we get the be- the absolute best Darth Vader moment. Of course. Yeah. Is is that have you seen the Mandalorian season two, Rob? I haven't. Okay. Then I won't mention anything. I appreciate that. I haven't caught up on Mandalorian okay. either. And oh. that's that's a whole other beast we haven't talked about yet. Mandalorian is for as quiet as it is, I think is doing an amazing job at storytelling. Well, to a degree. I really hated how season one ended. It really felt like a Deus Ex machina. Like the <laughs> the villain. Uh, I can only ever think of him as Gus from Breaking Bad. <laughs> he just stood outside the bar that they were hunkered down in and just kept threatening them. He had them in the corner. He had them in a the corner for hours and didn't do anything. <laughs> and like that felt like really weak storytelling. Is there a reason? Is there a reason that he waited? Yeah. I, he, I think it was that he wanted to get the child. That was He was like, give me the child. Tell me where the child is. Rather than like capture them and interrogate them, he just let them sit in there and the only reason i can think of that that happened is because that's how the story needed to play out so we didn't watch the mandalorian get riddled with blasters right. he had plenty of <laughs> plot coupons yeah exactly exactly nothing thicker than that plot armor yeah i i do enjoy the storytelling of mandalorian but i i like i said i did not like the way that season one ended i remember thinking the mandalorian came off as again in a world about space wizards i remember wanting the Mandalorian to be darker. And I remember wanting the Mandalorian to be a bit more serious. Mm. And then it becomes the baby Yoda show, which maybe I need to go in there with that frame of mind to kind of, because I've only made it to like episode six of season one that I stopped. Mm. And, you know, maybe that's the takeaway from this whole discussion is that I think there are flavors of stories in star Wars and you have to just find the right medium for it. Cause mm. you, you say you want something darker and grittier and my mind immediately goes to Republic commando the video game you play as it was a really cool game to begin with because you, it was a multiplayer, but you played as a squad of clone elites, mm. basically think of like clone special forces. So they had personalities, they had unique names and you are your infiltrators. You're the seal team six of, of the, of the clones. And it ends with members of your squad dying and some of them sacrifice themselves and you try to go back to save them, but you don't make it in time. And a couple others just get rid. They do. They literally get riddled with blaster shots. And like, it was darker. It was grittier. And I, again, I think it hit harder because it was a game. You, you were, you had agency. You were in command, and you let your friends die. You know, I think what really gives the games their—I don't know what you want to call it—but their their real intrigue is that they are. You know, Star Wars has an amazing universe you've got the jedi you've got the sith you've got all kinds of compelling heroes and villains and fun technology you've got your spaceships you've got your sword battles it just lacks a good story Mm. and where the video games really come in is that you 
maybe you're not making that story, but you are participating in it, and you are, mm-hmm. in some sense, guiding the way that it goes. I, I think, Rob, to extract a nugget from, from, from there is the, the set dressings are amazing. They're, they're fun, they're interesting, they're engaging, and also at this point, you know, they're recognizable. I, I can think of very few people who wouldn't know what a lightsaber is. They're iconic. Right. And so it really, it really does boil down to, is the story written well, and are these characters engaging to me? And that determines whether or not it makes good Star Wars content. Because the universe itself will always be good, I think. But the stories that are told within it can be hit or miss. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. And I think that's maybe, maybe that is why the expanded universe feels better. Because you're not confined to a handful of movies, a couple of television shows. You have an infinite array of books. I mean, what what are there? Something like thirty thousand Star Wars books. <laughs> I I don't think it's quite that many, but it's a right. lot. It's a lot. Pretty much any genre you want, there is a Star Wars story for you. Yeah, and I think that's that's why I like the current Marvel comics and what they're doing with it because the Darth Vader series is that grittiness that I'm looking for in this universe, and it's it's not really a hero's journey because this takes place after A New Hope. But it is an interesting journey to see Darth Vader on. He is our protagonist through all of this. Mm. And to see the choices he makes, even if he's a bad guy, is interesting. Yeah. And those movies just don't have that complexity. So I, I want to pull from both of your comments there. So we're kind of establishing that Star Wars is a set dressing. You can extract a genre from any of these media that you want. This, you know, what is the type of story you want to see? What you want told to you? So would we say that that the main nine movies, are they all the same genre, at least? I think so. More or less, yes. I mean, they're all pretty much action-adventures, right? Right. The farthest you get from that is the prequel trilogy. That's more of a drama, maybe. Mm. But it's still, you know, you're still swashbuckling. You're still jumping down 20 stories through flying highways, (laughs) um, doing all the crazy space action right stuff are we coming to a conclusion together are we agreeing on this that like really boils down to what sub genre of what flavor of star wars you want it sounds like to me that like we're all gravitating towards the star wars of our preferred medium <laughs> true because i i'm a big comic book person and i think the comics can do a lot more with this universe than the movies craig you're a big video game guy yes you love the video games you know yeah so that's yeah. interesting so is that is that because you like these media so you find so you find more enjoyment in the stories you're reading or playing through or do you think that the mediums convey the stories you want more we got a chicken and the egg scenario mm-hmm. i personally think that comic books enhance the universe but do they enhance it in a way that can't be accomplished by another medium i think so there's plenty of comic books that i don't think will ever be i mean i'm gonna push you on that i want you to elaborate on this intangible quality that only comics have what is that what's the magic where's the sauce you have no budget with a comic book right but it could have been a it could have been a novel yeah but like something have you there's some great artwork in a lot of comic books that convey what the artist or that convey what the writer wants Hmm. yeah you can play with like the mind's eye whenever you're reading a novel to actually see it is a different thing as well and i think to be able to see that on the page, panel by panel, particularly badass moments of Darth Vader, 
rising up through the ranks is pretty damn awesome. Comic books allow that without actors and stuff. All you need is an artist. You say that like artists are cheap. Um, that's not what I'm saying <laughs> at all. I mean, they do it for exposure too, so whatever. I don't know. Well, and there are definitely instances, I don't know if this is the case with Star Wars, but sometimes the writer is the artist, so you're not really paying a separate person. Yeah, it'd probably be easier for those types of people to convey what they want as long as you get paid three exposures. So, okay, so Rob, what is your preferred method of Star Wars consumption? What, what media? Regardless of genre, whether or not you think it's a good story, what's your go-to? Um, I will forever be chasing that feeling of turning on the Death Star run. Yeah. I, for me, I, I think it's, it's something I want to see a big, huge blockbuster film. Unfortunately, except for Rogue One, we really haven't had a movie that kind of captured that feeling. Did the did the Kessel Run in Solo do it for you? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> that was that was such a horrible recreation of what the Kessel Run was. I, I think. think they did okay. I think they did the best anyone I, could ever do. I do think it's really funny mm. how they they. They came back to solve that incongruity in terms of parsec, time versus distance. Mm-hmm. I do think that was a really funny nod and, and callback to the original series. But I still think that should have been something that remained kind of a mystery off screen. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that was a, a lot of the fun of the original trilogy was there are all these things in the universe that we don't know about, we never see, mm-hmm. and it makes the universe feel alive. In, re- in real life, you know, you can talk about something that nobody around you has any clue about. And all they can know is that, yeah, I ran the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. I honestly was a little disappointed that it was true. I always kind of assumed that was something Han was just making up to boast. <laughs> Which I think would be better. Han is like the universe's himbo, for reals. Yeah. If in Solo we learned that, like, yeah, he totally made that up, and everyone he's ever told that to knows he's making it up. <laughs> that would have been amazing. It would have been. And, and maybe maybe that is how it comes off, because, you know, the Kessel Run is a certain amount of time and, or, or distance in parsecs. Like, ah, oh, you say you're doing it in this many... Sorry, par- I can't remember how many parsecs it is. Maybe maybe that was the portrayal. That's how we were supposed to interpret that. Anyone he told it to is like, ah, oh, you're full of shit. We don't care. I, I just... I would have loved that origin to actually be that, just just crap <laughs> just something he made up to increase his notoriety because he's the shittiest smuggler yeah <laughs> right yeah he really is <laughs> and yeah i mean it's something that a smuggler would do he's obviously a man of loose moral boundaries so yeah lying about his accomplishments does not seem out of character at all speaking of lying about accomplishments i'd say we've come to a quick clean conclusion the stories that you enjoy in the Star Wars universe are probably most tied to the medium and the genre that you like most, whether that's the action adventure of the originals or something of the subset in the expanded universe. Yeah, absolutely. Is that, is that, is that fair? Is that where we're landing? Yeah. But that being said, the video games are best. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I don't have the time to play 20 ah. hours of video games. <laughs> so I think that wraps everything up in a nice ugly bow. This has been Strikes Our Fancy. Thanks for joining us. If you feel so inclined to comment on any opinions you heard here today, you can engage with us at ourfancy.site. We also post on there occasionally with our individual opinions. And we'll figure out what we're going to talk about next week. Next week. In the meantime, I've been Craig. I'm still Rob. 
and I'm Caleb.